Welcome to the Behold Podcast, a project of Arcade Church. My name is Beth Whitney, and I'm here with my co-host, Craig Hardinger, today. And we also have a special guest. Our friend Jim Culp is here from Iglesias de la Hueste. We spend some time talking with him about um, what he is doing with his ministry down in Ensenada, Mexico, and in 10 other countries around the world. It's super exciting to hear how the Spirit is empowering him and his leaders to uh, help create healthy leaders and uh, empower the Latin American church. So take a listen, like, comment, and subscribe, share this podcast with a friend. Let's get started. Hi, Craig. How you doing, Beth? Great. And hi, Jim. Hi. It's so good to be here with you guys. Really good to have you here. So this is Jim Culp. He is our friend and brother. You are our first repeat guests so to speak yeah how does that make mm-hmm. you feel very privileged it should yeah. make you feel highly valued yeah yes. that's yeah. that's the word because well, you value. are yeah blessed yeah. blessed and highly favored Ooh. I think. whoa yeah way to go whoa. way to go behold on us <laughs> yeah appreciate that yeah so jim is uh you're one of our missionaries mm-hmm. you work mostly out of ensenada mexico yes. but you um Run Iglesias del Oeste and Seminario del Oeste. Okay. Slow it down. Okay. Please be kind. Rewind. Okay. Say it again slower. Because I've been working on this. And so you got to say it slower. I'm going to let Jim say it so you'll learn it correctly. Well, no, because he'll say it with an accent. Can you say it, say, it, say it the way you usually say it, Jim? Iglesias del Oeste. Yeah, see? Now you say it, Craig. No. <laughs> no. Say Seminario. I blew Feliz Navidad last Christmas, <laughs> and so I'm, right. I'm not going to do it again. Did you say Felix Navidad? <laughs> no, it, and the problem is it, it's, it went viral as far as our program, and I just completely blew Feliz Navidad on, uh. on microphone. So it's, say it again, though. Okay. Jim leads Iglesias del Oeste, which basically means Churches of the West. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And Seminario del Oeste, Seminary of the West. Mm-hmm. So you um, are partnering with Latin American churches and organizations to help develop healthy leaders and mm-hmm. all of that awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been down there seven years and we... Um, do both networks of churches and then training and equipping of pastors and leaders in the Spanish-speaking world. We currently have students in nine different countries, and uh, and so our, our goal is to see healthy leaders mobilize their, the church in their country, mm-hmm. and and now we're even seeing Latinos go to the nations. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's so very awesome. cool. Uh, before we get to that, because I want to talk more about that, yeah. but I'd like to talk something more serious. Okay, and that is Mexican food. Oh yeah, mm. um, because that I can in, talk about. In, first of all, I, 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 I'm getting ahead of myself. Is your wife Annie is in the room? Yes, she is, and she's not on camera. But if you can shout out Annie, hello. Hi everybody. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And uh, it's really great to have you both with us. You, you are so Arcadian through and through. We love you guys. We don't see you nearly enough. Uh, but tell it because in our email correspondence, mm-hmm. Jim was telling us that he is a Mexican food snob. Yes, mm-hmm. through and through. Kind of arrogant. Not yeah. gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I've but got you can a lot ba- more you can back it up. You, you can back it mm-hmm. up though. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So tell us because when Beth and Debbie and I went down there several years ago. You introduced us to street tacos, mm-hmm. and 
we still talk about them. Yeah, change their life. Yeah. Those yeah. Baja fish tacos, I right. seriously tried for a year. Yeah. Because my husband and I like authentic Mexican. You know, we'll go to the little taqueria or whatever, not Taco Bell. Um, there's nothing wrong with Taco Bell. But I tried there for is. a year. There is something wrong with Taco Bell. <laughs> I tried for a year to find mm-hmm. a good Baja fish taco mm-hmm. in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of stomach aches, but I never found. Yeah. So tell us. Yeah, tell us really, about- we don't do fish tacos outside of Ensenada. Okay. Because we know even well, in I can Mexico. see why. Even yeah. in Mexico, they're just not going to do it right. So, right. you right. know, let's not waste our time there. Okay. And so, you know, I would like to break it down for you in three different geographical regions of food. Keep in mind, this is just a three-hour podcast. Uh, yeah. Right? So, <laughs> so this is we all we're going to get through, though. <laughs> yeah. So okay. I know you all had right. some other questions, but this yeah. may be it. Okay. All right. Go ahead. But at least it's the important thing. Yeah. Yes. So, so first, the best Mexican food, authentic, diverse Mexican food is found in the state of Oaxaca. And that's where your things like moles come from. Yes. And, you know, these these sauces that have like a hundred ingredients mm-hmm. and they're cooked for days. And it is just like the cradle of that kind of Mexican food. And so you go there and you just eat and eat. And they have seven different types of moles. And you're like, yes, please, all seven. Just keep them coming. And then late at night, the taco carts come out. Late at night. And they have the best tacos al pastor, mm. just shaving the little mm-hmm. pork off, oh. putting a pineapple mm-hmm. on yeah. top, mm-hmm. a salsa. I, you know, we're shouting out to my wife. My wife can put down some tacos al pastor. And <laughs> yeah, she, that is her thing. That is All her right, favorite Annie. taco. You know, my respect she, for Annie just yeah. Mm, yeah. up yeah. a notch. Shout out to Tacos Primo in the you city of You are just talking Oaxaca. about a Mexican gut bomb and here. So, you can go, you order plates of five. They come in mm. orders of five. and But they're just little, and you eat them, and you're like... I, five more, please. Five more, please. I'm okay if I'm sick after mm-hmm. five more. They're so good. So Oaxaca, fantastic okay. food region. Which is an inland state, right? And way south. Way okay. south. Right, okay. And it's... Say the name of it again. Oaxaca. But that's spelled like O O A X A C A. Well, I think we have a restaurant here in Sacramento... That oh, specializes mm-hmm. in, in Oaxacan, Oaxacan food. And that's Zocalo's, sure. yeah. which is one of our favorite places. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so for sure, and you can get good tacos right next to the Socolo there in downtown Oaxaca. So good. So okay. All right. you're just like... That's category number one? Or? Yeah. It, it is probably number one on like authentic, top-notch Mexican food. Okay. Mexicans All right. who want kind of cradle of Mexican food go to Oaxaca. Okay. All right. Now, where we live, Ensenada, is kind of the new up-and-coming food region. Mm. Oh, okay. Because we're next to the Wine Valley, mm-hmm. which attracts restaurants and foodies from all over, mm-hmm. come from both the states, but also from all over Mexico. And they're creating this food that's called Baja Med. Oh, so it's kind of this med-influenced, mm-hmm. heavy seafood, farm-to-table, super creative, but like with Mexican-type flavors to mm-hmm. it. And okay. so, right. I'm there. Super mm-hmm. great. So we had for our anniversary, we go out to these fun places, and like we had tacos, but out of slow-roasted beef cheek, 
And so it's like this hipster fancy, but then you know, I amazing. Just hankering for some beef cheek. Right? Just the other day. The other day, you're like, man, if I could just. I've never a little heard beef of that cheek. cut before. It's delicious. Or, Slow roasted. It's can like I a just ask where the of... beef cheek comes from? <laughs> it's from the top cheek, not the bottom cheek. Okay. But well, that, that would, would be, be rump roast. The rump roast. <laughs> Correct. That is a very shared mind right there, man. That is very shared mind. Sorry. You were, you were behind on that one. Yeah. You didn't know you were hanging out with some middle schoolers, did you? I was behind on that one. <laughs> oh, Thanks. Oh, nice. oh, good one. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so totally different, new kind of inventive, creative. The other's really traditional Ensenadas. Um, just trying new things. Yeah. And people yeah. are coming from the mainland interior and saying, like, I want to try grandma's recipe but like with, with a twist, with or, a twist yeah, and, yeah. and it's really this farm to table type type of culture. And, uh, and so that's a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So well, I make sure to try that I, yeah. if we ever and, get invited down. Well, we'll work on that. Yeah. So the newest taco in Sacramento is the queso birria taco. Oh yeah. Which it's like two. Where's tor- that at? Like any little hole in the any wall, Mexican, kind of? yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it's two corn tortillas, but they melt cheese between right. them, and then you get the shredded beef yeah. that's probably been yeah. boiling or roasting mm-hmm. all day. Is it beef cheek? Could be. I don't know if it's beef cheek or not. And then Could they be. give you consomme, so like an au jus, and then you take this greasy, <laughs> delicious taco, and you dip it in the consomme, oh. and then mm-hmm. it's good. amazing. Yeah, we call that Thursday. <laughs> and it is wonderful. Yeah. And like we had heard of birria before, mm-hmm. but like it is so good. And it's a breakfast food in Mexico. Oh. Well, you wouldn't be like, hungry till you, lunch. You run out of hot, steaming, boiled meat by like 1 p.m. Wow. People get it and they're like walking with cup of meat as they're. <laughs> cup of meat. Yeah. And I'm just like, finally. A culture that gets me. Yes. Why yes. do you want to force eggs on me in the morning? Give me a cup of That's meat. That's right. That's right. And uh, so it's how I keep my girlish figure. Alrighty. Good. Good. Well, enough of that. So all right. Um, so tell us about how you and Annie started in Mexico. Yeah. I mean, you were church planners in Chico, mm-hmm. and then you just moved to Mexico. Just like that. What the heck? Yeah. How did all that start? Yeah. Um, we blame God. Okay. And so, um, and, and really it was just fun to watch God kind of work in our heart over, mm-hmm. over a series of years, um, with us not seeing it, you know? Yeah. And, and so we were happy in our church plant, um, living up in Chico, um, believed we would be buried there. You know, we, we were, we were all in and mm-hmm. committed there and, uh, and working on training leaders here in Northern California and loving that. Um, that just really fed my soul to be able to work with leaders and and uh, and so we were really content. Um, but one year, we had come home and um, from a mission trip slash vacation to Central Europe, and we were absolutely exhausted. And uh, and I said to Annie as we're flying home on this international flight, like, so next year something a little more chill. And she was like, yes, next year, I just want to lay on a beach for a week. Yeah. And I was like, all right, we could, we could work on that. So really, we say it all started with vacation. Um, because as I started to look for where we could afford a beach vacation, 
It just kept getting further south and crossing yes. the border. And so we rented a small place in uh, close to Ensenada. And, and, uh, and so we rented this place early in the year. We've got four or five months to look out towards it. And, and uh, the next thing you know, it's mid-February and our son comes home, Ben, and he says, hey, why do my Mexican friends today at school have ashes on their forehead? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we had just never talked to them about Lent and Ash Wednesday and all of that. And, and so we explain it there and, you know, our son says, so why don't we do that this year? Lent. Nice. Well, okay, let's, mm-hmm. let's do it. So I just pull off this book then that I knew was like a 40 day devotional, um, totally not thinking, but God, just putting things in our play in, in place for this conversation that that he's growing us towards. And it's called A Place in the Table by Chris Say, who is church planner in, in Texas. Yeah. And, and it's talking about um, what the global church looks like and identifying with the needs of the church around the world. And, mm-hmm. and so each day you did a devotional um, that talked about the gospel and, and its realities in different mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. In the back of the book, it says, maybe you're doing this for 40 days with your family. Here are some challenges. And so challenge number one was pick a country and pray for it for the next 40 days. Hmm. Well, we said, well, let's pray for Mexico. And we're going to go there this summer. Let's just pray for Mexico. Great. And then the next one, and Culp family loves a challenge, right? right? So we're like all in. So the next one was eat on and live on Hmm. a diet and budget from your country for 40 days. So at the time... The average Mexican family ate on $9 a day. Wow. And we were like, cops are all in. We love a challenge. So we're going to do it. And we were like, and we're going to go all the way. So like if Jim goes to Starbucks and spends four fifty on a foofy latte, there goes half of the food budget. Because mm-hmm. that's the reality. Yeah. $9 a day is $9 a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was just really fun for us to say, like, what does that mean? And what does that uh, look like in, in a Mexican household? And so we ate tons of rice and beans with a little bit of jalapenos and we use meat as like seasoning Mm -hmm. you know you just sprinkle a little bit on top you'd have meat of the week and uh, and we did that and we prayed and we saved all this money from not spending more than nine dollars a day so we said well when we get to mexico on vacation we'll go find some places to donate this Mm -hmm. so finally we get on vacation it's early june and uh, the beach is wonderful but like our heart is pulled into the town to meet these ministries where we want to donate money. And so we go and visit and, uh, and we just like, it, it is unlike anything we've ever mm-hmm. done and experienced together. And so we end the week and we're heading home. And I say to Annie, I said, like, I can't imagine not coming back here next year. Mm. And that, that isn't like us. We're yeah. explorers and, but I'm like, we're coming back. And I said, I want to bring other people back here. And, and so we planned that, and we came back the next year. And, uh, and that year we visited a couple other churches. And one of the things that God just really opened our eyes to is there were these overburdened pastors and tons of young believers. Hmm. And there was this gap and disconnect in between right. this overburdened pastor and this great potential and it was there that God, we just, I just knew God was calling us into that. 
And so we had a group of teenagers with us, and I was driving a boy's van, and Annie was driving a girl's van, and we had not talked together yet. And I was thinking, how in the world am I going to open this conversation with my wife that's just stirring in my heart, and, and, uh, and I'm ignoring these knucklehead teenage boys in my van, and Annie's having a full-on conversation about what she's seen God do mm-hmm. in, in my heart with our youth pastor. And they're talking back and forth and having these full conversations. And, uh, and so it, we get home, and it's two or three weeks, and we don't talk at all about it. And then one day, I just say, so what would you think about? And she's like, I knew it. I knew that's what. <laughs> and... Uh, and so about a month later, we prayed for a month for our family, what that would look like. Um, and, uh, and then we took time to, yeah. to talk with our kids about it. We didn't want to pull them kicking and screaming, and we didn't want to disobey God. So we wanted God to align mm-hmm. our whole family with this call. And it was just fun to watch God do that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because this last summer we did a sermon series on the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. And our missions and outreach pastor, Tom Norris, preached on the Holy Spirit portion of the creed yeah. and being led by the Spirit. And right. so much of what you just got through talking about, this pilgrimage from being content and challenged in Chico mm-hmm. in, at Orchard Church to the point now where you are in Ensenada is just this, this faithful, gradual, probably conspicuous at times leading and probably inconspicuous mm-hmm. at yeah, times right. of the Holy Spirit uh, to the point where you are where you are now. Yeah. Um, when you when you first got to Ensenada, you're you're there. You 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 guys did the language school. Uh, you learned the, the Spanish language in what a year, something like that, or at least yeah. so, to yeah, the point where months. you could yeah. function. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what what did you what did you go in there expecting to do, and is it different than what you're doing now? Yeah. Um, yeah. So first we learned um, we worked on Spanish, and we started our first group. You did that as a family, right? Um, as a family, okay. and and Annie and I did um, fifteen weeks, six hours a day, five days a week, and That's brutal. Uh, the oh, only man. time that you know divorce and murder at the same time <laughs> were brought out. I we bet. learned so differently, yeah. and so yeah. she'd be like, "Oh, this is easy," and I'd be like, "I don't even like you anymore." And then <laughs> and then the next day it'd be the opposite, and and then the next day we would reunify as one flesh in our hatred towards the teacher, yeah, right? And exactly, so yeah. those were the saving moments for us. Uh-huh. And, and uh, so just, but, but so great. And we were committed. We didn't want translators ever. We, right. we wanted to be able to connect with people and we wanted to teach academically. And so we were like, we want really formal. So push us in that. And, and that was such a great experience for us. And so really it was six months later that we started teaching and, uh, and what I learned in that first group is I brought North American context to Latin America. Mm-hmm. And so good things that I would say like this is essential in talking through, just having hard discussions with leaders in, uh, in a California context. Did they welcome you? Oh, totally welcome. Even, and and even had invited. An yes, and had invited us. And we went good. specifically and started with them. Because we knew it was a safe place to, to kind of wrestle and learn. Right, right. That first group was really just a learning place for us. And and we had been down for two years before on those. Church, it's the first church we met when we went down to deposit money. 
hmm. that we had saved. Wow. And so to have that invitation for uh, from them was just a neat thing. And and but but one of the things you know that that I learned quickly is, for instance, um, when I was teaching leadership here, I, I wanted to make sure we spent a lot of time looking at what servant leadership and what the humble leader looked like. And we empower others out of a place of humility, Mm -hmm. um, that we need each other, that we are better together. When I got there and started to teach that, um, humility wasn't the issue. It was belief that they could be empowered. Oh, wow. And so okay. it was this conceptual change yeah. that I had to take that really you're teaching similar type of scriptural stuff, but how the application of that's yeah. going to be. Um, here, I want to talk spirit-led humility that we're engaging. I'm not trying to carry everything. I'm engaging others. Um, there it was out of a place of insecurity. I don't know if I'm empowered, so how do I empower others? Right. And so it is... Um, we just do a lot of work and busyness, but there's never really this advancement of vision because there aren't these empowered leaders that walk together. And so we really had to take the program and say, from that mentality, how do we kind of rewrite and retrain that? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we make that a practical step? And so um, so really now we write it around how helping the leader understand calling and they are empowered by the spirit and then they are called to disciple and empower others Mm -hmm. to multiply Mm -hmm. and so yeah i think that's been the big thing i want to go back you said a few minutes ago um you named an overburdened pastor Mm -hmm. tell us what an overburdened pastor in the global south looks like yeah yeah i think i think that's that's important because it looks different um you know, the Global South, speaking of Latin America, Africa, and South Asia, um, you see the church really growing, mm-hmm. but but realities of the church look a lot different than mm-hmm. they do in our Western church, Northern, um, Northern church mm-hmm. um, context. And so the majority of pastors are going to be bivocational. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the majority of them are going to respond to a call to ministry without having the opportunity to be trained. Right. And so... So and, maybe they're working as an electrician. Right. So they're working, let's say, 40-some hours a week. Mm-hmm. And, and, and especially when we talk about Mexico, it is the um, highest work week in the world. Mm-hmm. So the average work week is five tens and a half Saturday. Wow. Wow. And so a pastor that's working a traditional job is working 55 hours mm-hmm. a week and then doing probably two meetings a week at night mm-hmm. and preparing for Sunday and mm-hmm. then responding to every emergency call. Right. right. And because they don't know how to empower anybody else. Right. And so they're responding to everything. And so you had this man in particular. I knew he was working construction, doing carpentry work. And had a um, high needs child in the home and a teenager and had a church of probably 80 to 90 people. Oh, wow. Okay. And sweeping the floor Hmm. and unlocking the building Mm -hmm. and had no access 
to training to even know that there was a different way. Yeah. And you'd have conversations about like, where do you, where do you see the church? Where would you like to take it? And he would ask me, where do you see my church? Because they've never been, they've never understood that God has called them and empowered them in a Mm God-given calling and vision to advance. And so they've waited on missionaries to say, here's what I think you could do. In which most likely, even if I said that, he would say, and how would I do that? Who do I, like, I'm already oversaturated. And so this is what we do. And so, um, so I would see him and then, but I would look at his worship team and it was like four or five 20 year old boys. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that, that's the answer. And that's how this church advances and, and multiplies and new churches spin off. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, that was, that's what it looks like. Did you go down with that intent or was it to, cause I don't, I'm, yeah. I really don't remember. I remember yeah. walking with you through right. when you and Annie were thinking about going down there and things, but I couldn't remember. Was it basically, I don't mean this in a minimal way, yeah. but to plant churches? No. But you saw the problem as you yeah. talked to pastors. Yeah. No, from the start, our, our goal originally, and, and this partly was from not being able to see the bigger picture, right. um, was to raise second level leaders. Okay. I wanted to see elders and deacons and teachers and future pastors that came alongside a solo pastor. Mm -hmm. And so really that's what we felt like our call was. Um, A lot like we talked about, uh, we did the ministry leadership certificate here and it still goes on in Northern California. It was a lot of that. um, If a pastor doesn't have anything, well, this would be good. But really if a pastor doesn't have a second letter, level of leaders that are trained and equipped, um, then that's really what our target audience was originally. Now, as it's grown, we've seen um, there's a need more for pastoral development and church planter development, which we've grown into, as well as continuing this this second level leader. And so we do different levels of programs. Now, when you talk about kind of going back to your question, B, as far as empowering leaders mm-hmm. and things what from practical standpoint jim what what are some of the things that you implemented were those some of the things that you saw bore fruit yeah from that because i i don't recall you going down to be this global missionary yeah, and yet no. that's what, exactly what god has made yeah. of you and annie in the sense of you mentioned nine different countries yeah. and we'll probably get to that in a moment mm-hmm. but from a practical standpoint what were some of the things that you used to to empower these leaders yeah. So everything we do, um, Latin America wants microwave production of reproduction of leaders, and we tell them we're crockpots. Yeah. Hmm. And so, and so, if you don't want that, then we're not for you. We're going to crockpot some leaders together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, the shortest program we do is two years. And so we do a two and a three year more in depth program. Certificate type programs? Um, or? So, so the first one we've written, the lowest one, we've written at about an associate's level. Okay. Um, in Mexico, there's a degree called Tecnico Superior. It's one area of study focused at about 60 credit hours. Okay. 
And then the next one we do at a master's level. And, and it was really cool. I got to work with Bert on yeah. how to develop it. And I said, uh, he said, here's what, here's what good standards would be. And I said, what are minimum standards? Like, yeah. I want to meet the standards, but what are the minimum? And yeah. we get there. So... And but when you we say read Bert, you're, you mean Bert Downs, yeah, Bert yeah Downs former president yeah. of Western yeah. Seminary, great guy. great guy. We got to see him a couple yeah. months ago. It's just oh, so encouraging, yeah. and 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 one of the things, and we went with classics. You know, we read Tozier and uh, and just eat it up and the good stuff. And the good stuff. It is good, and, and we don't talk strategy. Strategy people will find, and there's great stuff that you can read out. But strategy is so specific to yeah. a specific ministry. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we want good, solid, foundational, theological basics. So the first year is always that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we do a year of that. And, uh, and we want to speak the same language on what that is, because that's going to help us as we continue to, to walk forward. And then the second year, no matter what program you're in, um, that's where we talk about discipleship, multiplying of leaders, and ministry development plans. And so every person at the end of their second year of training has a ministry plan for their next three or four mm-hmm. years. And they, they respond to, what is my calling? What's my story? Like Jim's got that crazy story about how he ended up here. What's my crazy story? How did I get here? And, and we want people to feel like, yeah, I'm supposed to be doing yeah. this. This is hard, but this is where I'm supposed to be. It, it, everybody who follows the Spirit has a crazy story. Right. Yeah, exactly. They and do. I want them to yeah. know it yeah. And, yeah. and say like, yeah, we identify in that, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, uh, and then we want to say like, what are your, what's your vision and values as, yeah. as a leader, as a ministry? And let's figure out how do we form that? And not what someone else has said for you. What do you feel like God's calling you That's to gotta do? It's got to be life-giving to it them. Is, it is unbelievable yeah. to watch those light bulbs turn on, uh-huh. right? And, uh, and so then as we walk through that second year, and then as it goes on, we talk about how discipleship is the number one way to multiply leaders. Mm-hmm. And so let's be intentional about discipling the next generation of leaders and and so at the end of that, they have a whole plan on what my vision values, what strategies I want to learn to advance this vision, what are, how am I going to disciple people in this vision now, and how are we going to replicate that mm-hmm. systematically? And then they're ready to launch. Yeah. And what we started to find is people were like, well, let's launch. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how we honestly have gone global, mm-hmm. is people just said, well, Jim, you made us write all this out. Let's do it. How are you going to help us do it? And so one of the things that, that we did, we, we originally went down with this heart to train and equip, but really quickly saw that our ministry needed to grow into also helping mobilize. Mm-hmm. And so we train and equip these leaders now with the purpose of saying, how do we continue to walk alongside of you into this mobilization, whether that be church planting, whether it be starting a backyard Bible club in your community, or whether it be serving Arab refugees in Romania. If that's where God's calling, how do we help take that step? So we've grown our staff to think about that mobilization piece. But as we started talking about that piece, we said, we don't want to do that if we can't care for these people long-term as well. Mm -hmm. And so we now say we train and equip, mobilize and care for healthy leaders. Originally, it was just we want to train and equip them to be healthy leaders. But now, 
we're a few generations through the training part and saying, man, there's so much more life to keep walking mm -hmm. and we're mm -hmm. seeing multiplication of an expansion of the gospel. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you mentioned nine countries and that sounds like that just expanded organically. I mean, we, yeah. we all know it's the spirits yeah, leading. Yeah, exactly. But from our perspective, it was, that wasn't your intention no. when you moved down no. there. So what are the nine countries? Let's see if I, let's work south to north. So Argentina, Peru, Ecuador, Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican Republic, Cuba, Mexico, Latinos in the United States. Okay. You forgot Spain. And Spain, 10. Oh, you're not in Africa? Well, that's too bad. We mm. have, Actually. <laughs> we have missionaries in Northern Africa. They've oh. sent missionaries yeah, to Northern sent, Africa. So, and I guess technically one of them is studying. So we have a student in. And then we have missionaries that we've sent outside of Latin America in two North African mm -hmm. countries and just recently to Romania. And well, I, I got to tell you, and, and B, you're on the board with Jim and Annie. And so, you know, I get what you guys are doing through reports that she gives yeah. the team and things. I tell you, I've been doing this a long time. I've been a pastor for a long time. I have never seen a more fruitful ministry on the foreign field like I've seen yours. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, and I've just kind of had a... a a front row seat. Mm -hmm. you know, we pray for you, mm -hmm. Debbie, and I pray for you guys. Yeah. We love you guys. Yeah, we we see you probably once a year kind of yeah. thing. But what, what is happening, what God is doing through you and now through other people right. that you may not even know right. mm -hmm. uh, is nothing more than revivalistic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how I would fit that mm -hmm. in. And I don't use that word lightly. Yeah. I think sometimes we do too mm -hmm. quickly, but I see nothing but a revival mm -hmm. in the Southern Hemisphere mm -hmm. due in large part to what God is doing with you guys. And I, I think, first, it's the Spirit's move. Yeah. And I think the best thing that we committed to early on was not waiting for America to send us more missionaries, but we raised a team of Mexicans and Cubans and have empowered and equipped and resourced and funded mm -hmm. them to do yeah. so much more than what we ever dreamed or imagined. Well, I would have to imagine, because I mean, as long as I've been a pastor, there have been schools and churches that have sent young people by the thousands, tens right. of thousands right. to Mexico. Mm -hmm. I would think even from, from the Mexican nationalists, there is missionary fatigue mm -hmm. from American missionaries. Right. I, I don't mean to minimize yeah. nope. what, what goes on, but I think sometimes the glut of that yeah. uh, defangs the ministry and the gospel from yeah. going even further. International Missions Board did a study probably about 10 years ago mm -hmm. now and said that 70% of Mexican ministries exist to serve North Americans coming to serve there. What's the percentage? 70. So you think of a country of 130 million people, and it's incredibly underserved when it talks about actual investment into the church. Mm -hmm. It never gets there. Mm -hmm. It's the Me Mexican ministry exists, the missionaries there to serve American teens that come down and build a couple houses. And what a blessing for those families that they have a house. Sure. But it's but, mainly along the border. But it's it? mainly the first hundred miles along the border. And so in Mexico, for example, we're working in an area called the Circle of Silence. It is the least evangelized area in the Western Hemisphere. 
and it's about a 10 to 12 hour drive from the border. Um, but missions never has gotten down there. And you know what? An American's not going to be the one to penetrate there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're mobilizing from the southern part of Mexico, students that we have partnered with, church that has this missional heart to send to the unreached, and we're partnering with them. And now we partner with five church planters and are just finishing within training that circle? within that circle. And it is hard, man. It is hard ground. And, and uh, we're in a town of 10,000 people, one of them, that in its existence had never had a visible evangelical presence Hmm. and uh you know it's like that's just unheard of and and uh now luis a young he has been there five years as a church planner he's 28 years old now and uh has a group of 50 or so young vibrant you know it's like a giant youth group and uh and you know we're and he went down there with nothing and and yeah and he went sent we partnered with them and uh, in the last year, we helped them buy a piece of ground. We're hoping to build the first evangelical church in that municipality, which is like a county. Hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and you think Mexico, ah, Mexico's reached. And, uh, and that just is, is a misunderstanding of, yeah. right. of what Mexico yeah. really is and how big it is. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. we go to Ensenada and we see lots of churches. Mm-hmm. And... And Sonata has been blessed by short-term missions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also probably limited from seeing how it could expand the gospel because it didn't have its own vision mm-hmm. for Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to rethink how that does and empower locals, uh, nationals to reach their own people. So you've brought up a, a few things, you know, a, a pastor who's working 55 hours outside of his pastoral mm-hmm. duties. Um, Luis, who's 28, has right. been a church planner for five years. Um, I know there's lots of other examples of uh, believers who've said yes to the mm-hmm. call, right? right. Um, so thinking about those people you know of yeah. um, who are part of the Latin American church, mm-hmm. what can we as mm-hmm. American churchgoers mm-hmm. or American church leaders or you know people listening, church attenders, mm-hmm. what can we learn from our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. In other parts of the world. Yeah. And, and I'm going to take it backwards first. One of the things that I think that we bring and help, and I, and I just think, you know, it's what we're good at mm-hmm. in the church. We're really good at seeing how structure helps us get from A to Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're very linear. Right. And yeah. we're linear in that. And and we're able to teach and, and cast that vision for how to go that direction. Yeah. And that is not a Latino, right. right? That is not a Latino. And so we want to help them be able to do that within their culture. But what I have learned so much is Latinos are so obedient to saying yes to the Spirit's move in their heart and say, we'll start A today. Mm-hmm. And we don't, about B tomorrow. We, we don't know how we'll ever get to B, C, D but God's called me to plant a church, and tomorrow there will be one. Yeah. And it might just be me, my wife, our two kids, but it's a church, and we'll see where it goes from there. So We're all Western, is it? Right. Northern. It's so not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's so not. And, and, and that's just so exciting. You know, we were talking at lunch mm-hmm. about um, our friend Yami in Cuba. She is a fantastic leader 
um, her and her elders um, maintained just this incredible growth in their church after their husband died of COVID. Wow. And, uh, and, and we talked to her and she said, no, I feel this is where I'm called. And the elders have said, let's keep going. We have a vision. Let's keep leading this forward. And, and we were there in January and, and their youth, uh, their worship leader had just graduated from seminario with us. We, we graduated 28 people from their church. Oh my goodness. And, wow. and it's a church where, in Cuba. where it's only yeah. legal to assemble 30 people. Mm-hmm. There were 275 people in worship that day. And, uh, and, and just, so she has this dynamic young man, um, crazy full of the spirit, we'll say. And, uh, (laughs) and, but, but she just told him she's, he just got married and she said, you know, I got to let you go. Like, I know you're called and I now know you're trained and equipped. And so if I would keep you as our worship leader, it would be disobedient to God. And so last week, they just hung a sign out on their front porch, and now they're that church. And 30 people went, and, and they'll start, and they'll multiply. And, and, uh, and, and what, what the Cuban government doesn't understand is that they totally have created a situation of multiplication instead of addition Yeah. by saying, oh, you're, you could be in trouble for having more than 30. So the church has said, I guess we have to raise a lot of leaders then to disciple 30 people at a time unbelievable see and I, I just I'm so jealous of that because I I can't help but think with a North American mind is you got to have a vision right yeah you got to have a strategy you, you got to have your dollars lined up yeah <laughs> you got to have everything lined up right. because man you just don't know right and, and the truth is that's far more biblical than how we do things yeah, yeah. far more biblical yeah you know, I mean, I think of in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit tells Philip, go talk to that Ethiopian yeah. dude over there in the chariot. Right. You know, well, what's the plan? What am right. I going to say? Philip just obeyed. Yeah. And I see that continually in the stories that I hear from even today uh, about your experiences down yeah. there. I just, I'm jealous for that. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. I, I think so often, um, I think so often we get to see an experience like Paul with Lydia and like, yeah. Okay, well, now these group of ladies are, now are saved. Yeah. So I guess there's a church here, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and we just see that so often of like, you know, like she's like, I watched you walk across that straight. You're now, you're now equipped. You've got a calling. Like it would be disobedient of me to keep you in this position. Yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, that's a woman who's got the empowerment part. Yeah. And her church sees that. And, and they've spun off several churches in the last few years. And, and, uh, and so just amazing what. That is so cool. The power of God does. That is. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, probably last season, season two, uh, Beth and I did uh, a podcast show on the Ascension gifts from Ephesians yeah. 4. And I know that you're you know, a big fan yeah. of that, as yeah. I am. We've had a lot of conversations mm-hmm. over that and stuff. How, is, how has that played? And just to, re- to review the, the listener, in case you weren't part of uh, season two, the Ascension gifts are in Ephesians 4, apostles, mm-hmm. prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. And it's a great passage. Um, I look at the book of Ephesians as constitutional um, in the mm-hmm. sense that Paul is writing this to the Ephesians, right. but he's writing that to the church mm-hmm. at large. Okay. If yeah. you want to yeah. see the fullness of Christ, this is how you do yeah. it. Um, how, how have you seen that play out in how you've trained some of the people down there? Yeah, and, and really... Um, just a little bit of background. I, I'm a huge fan because 
you preached it and it changed my life. Hmm. And, and honestly, mm-hmm. probably we're in Mexico partly because of you. So if anybody ever wants to blame that, because I, I came into a retreat. Sorry, Annie. Yeah. You know. I showed up at a pastor's retreat and I thought, why is pastoring so hard for me? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I just always feel like I'm working in my weak spots. Hmm. And uh, you're an apostle, huh? And, and, and yeah, I, I am. <laughs> I do right. have those gifts. And, and that weekend, it, it just clicked. And I was like, I have better pastors in my church than I am. Yeah. But nobody probably drives the vision like I can mm-hmm. because that's what I am. And I was dragging people into vision where they should have been released to pastor. Mm-hmm. And, and so that really changed my life. I never developed that um, here in a U.S. context. Um, but when we started to grow our team, and our team now, uh, we have a staff of 11 couples, four singles, and then four Cuban nationals as well. So in okay. Mexico, we're about 20, and then four Cuban nationals. And as I think about our team, I think about what are their gifts and, and, uh, and how are we reaching to attain the fullness of Christ as a team? Because mm-hmm. I, I've learned I, I'm not going to reach that. We will right. a- attain that as the church, as we serve in that. And so it's really given us a good way to start thinking about that. But our mission, our, our, our ministry is to train, equip, mobilize, and care and so really that is a lot of um teaching gifts yeah that's a lot of apostolic gifts Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of pastoring gifts Mm -hmm. and so those are essential gifts because we serve a lot of evangelists who are stepping out and and launching churches and and starting ministries and so we come around and and help them have that support as they develop and so We've started to begin to think that full circle, and, and I was just talking, we have a great thinker who, uh, on our staff, Amador, he uh, is one of our professors, will run a school that, uh, a pastoral training center that we're, that we're currently launching, and, and, and he said, you know, one of the things that, that I like about this is it lets us look at what the giftedness is of the person that we're mobilizing and say, in those early days, how do we form kind of this hedge of fullness around yeah. them so that they walk in fullness. And they're open to that. As they, they're becoming. Yeah, we're yeah. learning about right. it. Yeah, yeah we're, and, and we're figuring this out. Um, but I think now that we can see, like our team has that reflected. And so we send different pieces around someone who's mobilizing to... Fill those gaps while they raise people up into serving in mm-hmm. those gaps. And we teach that this is an essential piece of what that's going to look like. And so that's how we're trying to live it out. Um, you know, but, but I love that we've identified um, Miriam on our team has the prophetic voice. Mm-hmm. And, and like that is what she does. She sees things that live in my blind spot. Mm-hmm. And God has given her heart to see that. And so I just try to teach her, like, be kind when you come and talk to me. <laughs> um, and, and she's learning that. But, but, yeah. we, but we have that relationship where she, she knows, like, um, I, I say, like, 
Luis and Miriam, they're this couple. Luis is the guy that everybody just wants on his team because you're going to get the hug and you're going to feel loved and cared for and encouraged by him. He's Barnabas. Yeah. And then you have Miriam who she's the person that every team needs Mm -hmm. if you're going to actually continue to improve and grow and see at beyond what you're able to somebody Mm -hmm. who speaks into your blind spots Mm -hmm. and so being able to say like we want those people do they see themselves as those gifts yes because we took time to to train that and talk that out and and uh and it was really you know it's really fun um some people are surprised or and some people you're surprised at that and say huh interesting we maybe need to help you develop how to live that out Mm -hmm. and and then other people you're like well, of course, you know, yeah. and, and, <laughs> no surprise, uh, no surprise, yeah. no surprise. Yeah. And yeah. so it really has been fun. And, and, uh, and so, um, yeah, that, that's been a, an exciting, fun thing to see. Yeah. And I really think it's just helping us, um, there's just real strength and diversity. Yeah. Um, the world does not need hundreds of Jim Culp's. It needs Jim to fill his role and it needs Miriam to play hers and mm-hmm. Luis yeah. and Amador. And, and and we see this equal value in that. And that empowers um, people. And it empowers people. It's not just the guy up front. Right. It's it's the empowerment of the body of Christ. And as a result, you're in nine different countries. Yeah. I mean, ten. that's just amazing. Ten? ten? Apparently ten. Ten. Oh, we ten. counted. Oh, ten. Okay. Ten. All right. Thank you. I'm on the board. I got to keep <laughs> things get, accurate, you gotta, you right? Keep it accurate. Come on. That's true. Keep, keep it precise. That's okay, right. Okay, so... Jim, you started in Ensenada yeah. thinking you'd be in Ensenada, uh-huh. and now you're in 10 right. countries. Um, what kind of growing pains have you experienced, mm. uh, either as a leader or personally or as a ministry? Yeah. Yeah, I think always my, my number one prayer request when people say, how can we pray for you? Um, there are so many more opportunities than you can say yes to. Mm-hmm. But the Spirit has the right opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. The ones that we're supposed to say yes to. And so my number one prayer request is always discernment. How to say no to things and help people find what they need Mm -hmm. and then be all in on the things that God's calling us to say yes to. And so um, I think that's our biggest challenge. And, you know, right now we're exploring some some opportunities and, and praying about how to do that and and uh and we've stepped into some places where we've said like we they asked for this um but that was we said yes to something that they're not prepared for and so mm-hmm. we need to back off and mm-hmm. and be creative about mm-hmm. how we serve there and and it's going to go slower and we'll see what it develops into and maybe the worst thing is we're wrong and we taught the bible in some place that we weren't supposed to be for a couple of years yeah um, but that does cost saying yes somewhere else. Right. And so that's why that's so important. And, uh, and so I think that's a big one. Um, and w- we just want to mobilize our team and, and we want to expand our team. And mm-hmm. so, um, we not want only want to see, um, multiplication happening out on the field, but also from within, mm-hmm. from within us. And, and so there's just constantly. You know, we're an organization that went from Jim and Annie supported missionaries to um, having people that we connect with in 13 different countries and 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 across um, a very diverse staff. And we have country leaders that that and so and we want to continue to see that grow. We want to continue to empower there. And so um, 
really just having the ability to equip those people mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we are, uh, somebody told me just this last weekend, um, you're in the sweet spot for expansion and yet the hardest spot to expand mm. because you can't keep up structurally yeah. with the, the opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of love the tension. Um, well, I was just going to say that it sounds like that's probably where the spirit wants you. Yeah. I love the tension. Yeah. I, I love, um, I, I love saying like, God, you open the door and we'll, we'll figure out how to go. Yeah. And, uh, I love saying to Beth on the board, Hey, the, the math's not going to add up. And, uh, but, but, if, but if God's calling, like I figure at some point it's going to catch yeah. up and, yeah. and, uh, and I love that. Um, uh, you know, naturally, I could I could worry about money like crazy. That would mm -hmm. be a weakness. Um, but God's just not giving me that opportunity. Like I've come from Orchard Church to this, and like, and 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 I kind of love. It requires complete dependence on the Spirit in that, and 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 that's fun. That's fun to live there. You guys went from Jim, Jim and Annie supported missionaries, yeah, under an organization, right? To you have almost your own mission organization yeah. where you mm -hmm. are sending missionaries. Yeah. And so a, a huge change yeah. in seven yeah. years. Right. Yeah. And it, and it's gone really quickly and, uh, and not what and you expected and not what we expected and, and growing pains, but, um, but man, how do you, how do you say no to that? Right. Yeah. Like right. it's, it's so exciting and we love it. And, and, and I will say, when we moved to Ensenada, we moved there partly because we knew that'd be a good fit for our family mm -hmm. to start. Right. And Annie and I were always willing to say, but if that isn't where God has us long term, like we may start there and then learn language, learn culture, have some practice, you know, five, seven years, few people, whatever. And then we'll see where God sends us. Well, what we didn't know was at the same time that we were praying about going God was working in the heart of our team now mm -hmm. saying like, if only would someone would come and teach me and release me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what we've got to do. The team was there. The people were ready. They just didn't know it yet. And, uh, but just so natural how God just started bringing people into our lives. Um, we taught an alpha group. Are you familiar with oh, yeah. alpha? Sure. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we taught an alpha group. This church wanted to try it as a strategy and, and I said, well, hey, we'll do it, and, and we'll use it as leader training and then also as have those leaders invite the, yeah. the non-believers to come be part. And, and, uh, and we look now at, like, mostly we did it because we were like, we need people to practice Spanish on. That was, that was right. our main thing. It was our first Bible study. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, it's mostly video-driven, and then it's just conversation <laughs> for us. Um, but we have staff members that were out of that initial group. We have so cool. lifelong yeah. people who studied with us and have continued to walk in ministry with us. We've helped them plant churches. And, and you know, I just, God just had everything ready for us to show up and, and just respond to his move. And we're just trying to keep up. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, as you're talking about that, I, I'm thinking, you know, here God was well, with Jim and Annie Culp and Chico at Orchard Church. And he's working in your heart leaning your affections towards yeah. Mexico yeah. and all the while that the spirit is doing that the spirit is also working in the affections of people in Mexico that you probably haven't met no. yet yeah and I, I I can't help but think of like an Acts 13 yeah. when, when Paul goes to Corinth 
gets beat up, kicked out of the town. The Holy Spirit says, yeah, I want you to go back. I yeah. want you to go back in there because I have some people right. there. And that sounds like what God has done for you yeah. in Mexico. So I want you to go there. You don't know what's there. I do. I've got people there. Right. And they didn't even probably know at the time that they were people. Yeah. That his people. Yeah. And that that is the beauty of ministry. That what you, and it sounds like it's happened in Peru. It's happened in Argentina, yeah. Ecuador, Spain, uh, Cuba. And it's just amazing to see that, yeah. to to witness that and mm-hmm. to hear the stories of what God's doing mm-hmm. down there. Yeah. It's real. I, I long for that up here. I yeah. really do. I'm jealous yeah. of that. We do I, too. I want God to move that way up here. Yeah. You know, in yeah. beautiful downtown Northern California. Yeah. Yeah, we so, do too. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine if people who feel the call of the spirit just say yes yeah. Yeah. and chase that down mm-hmm. and, and God wants me to plant a church. I'm going to plant right. a church. Yeah. I don't know what step yeah. B is, but I'm going to start with yeah. A or yeah. right. a yeah. backyard club right. or yeah. I'm a high schooler and I'm going to ask a couple friends to do a Bible study right. after school or whatever right. that looks like. If they the just ob- said yes. And the obstacle to that is, but we have to have all of our ducks in a row right. before right. we can do that. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. When really that can be a strength, sure. the yes. structure is yep. such a strength. Mm-hmm. We have to learn how do we, who have the structure are as obedient as the people who are responding mm-hmm. to the call. Yeah. And that's what I think Gotta put is them the essential the thing. Somehow. Yep. And say, we, we see your passion. We see your call. Start with five people. Yeah. And now let's start walking that out together and seeing how God de- develops it. The worst thing that can happen is that like five people yeah. get discipled. Right. Right. And, and that's what I think like we're afraid of. Like that's a bad of. thing, right? Right. We yeah. extrapolate out worst thing could happen in these little contexts. And, and that was one of the things somebody told me is, well, so, so we sent them out. What's the worst thing that can happen? They come back? Like, yeah, yeah. We get our worship leader back in yeah. six months because yeah. it didn't work as a church planner? All right. But what if it does? Yeah. You know, and, exactly. and that's what I love. What if it does? And, and yeah, that's what good. if it does? That's good. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of hate to close this conversation off, but we probably need to. Probably. I, you know, I, I, I heard someplace even today um that there are over two million podcasts in the world two million podcasts and here we have behold podcast Mm -hmm. at arcade church Mm -hmm. in sacramento and it caused me to think what so what's what's so special about ours why don't we just Mm -hmm. tell people hey listen to that podcast or, or listen to that podcast and i think the thing that we want and this podcast is 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 because of the name. Behold, we yeah. we want people to behold Christ, right? And that sounds like what's like, what's being experienced mm-hmm. in the southern hemisphere is mm-hmm. this beholding that is happening. This this beauty of Christ is happening, and and what a kawinky dink God is honoring that yeah. with His presence. Mm-hmm. And as you've been talking. You know, I, I, we want to end each podcast with Behold. That yeah. I hope that's what makes us different from yeah. the other two million. Now we're two million in one podcast. <laughs> um, this Behold aspect. We want to behold Christ. And mm-hmm. as you're talking, I couldn't help but think of Revelation 21, verse 5, when Jesus is saying, uh, Behold, I am making all things mm-hmm. new. Mm-hmm. And Jim and Annie, that's what you're doing. Yeah. You are part of of that that call of Jesus. We tend to think that that's just going to happen when Jesus returns. Right. But the truth is because of the great commission that's happening, that's happening now. now. Mm-hmm. It's happening now is it 
is that Jesus Christ is in the process through you and through mm. so many other people. He is making, he is making all things new. And, and that's why he says, behold, mm-hmm. I want you to see that. Mm-hmm. I want you to see that I am making all things new through what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And Lord willing, he's doing that for us up here through us that we we want to see a new sacramento yeah, for sure. yeah we want to see a new california just as you want to see a new mexico mm-hmm. peru ecuador right. we want to see this new world mm-hmm. and jesus has this plan of moving people of making all things new right. and he's right. is using us to do that yeah and how exciting that is yeah. and sometimes we can get so in the weeds mm-hmm. that we're thinking when is it going to get new yeah and the truth is, he's doing he's it. He's doing it. He's doing that work. Mm-hmm. And we see that with what you were doing. Say the ministry again. Iglesias del Oeste and Seminario del Oeste. Okay. And I'm, Jim's probably cringing. She's over. great. Yeah, like you've, you've, you've had She's Spanish, got it. I'm trying. Yeah. But uh, Jim and Annie, we love you guys. We yeah. love what God's we doing. We love Arcade. It we is amazing what's happening down there. And uh, so we just want to hold you guys up in prayer. It's so great to have you face to face. Yeah, so great. Way better. Way better. Thanks so much. Do you have anything you want to sign off with? Well, I I mean, Jim and Annie are dear friends, and Mm -hmm. I am privileged to be on their board. Um, I would just encourage people listening to pray. Um, If you're part of Arcade Church, we have a missions page where you can see who our missionaries are. They have clickable links, all of that fun stuff. Um, pray for our brothers and sisters who have said yes to this mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. call of the spirit to up and leave their home country or, mm-hmm. you know, a good paying job or all of these mm-hmm. other things are yeah. our missionary brothers and sisters do that, mm-hmm. yeah. that we maybe don't. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but also if you are listening, please share this with a friend, yeah. like our podcast, subscribe, do all the things that, um, help us not just be the two million and one podcast that people can well, listen to. Well pronounced. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Iglesias de la Oeste. You were better at that one. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, yeah, yeah. we'll see you next time. All right. Thank Bye. you.